Hello and welcome to this opportunity for you to learn, develop and contribute more to your cause. Today, you'll hear from Joanna Brownbill, the Director of Communications and Marketing at Ripple Effect. You'll learn why Ripple Effect changed their name from Sendical, what was involved in the rebranding process, how much it cost, what the response was and much more. Enjoy. So Jenna, it's great to have you here. Um, I think it's good to talk about rebranding projects because they're conceptually so simple, just changing a name. Um, but actually, I'm sure you can attest uh, that not so much. Um, but to give us a bit of context, maybe you can just tell us a little bit about Ripple Effect and the work that you do as a charity. Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me. It's, I'm always happy to talk about rebranding. It was, uh, yeah, it was a long process, much more time investment than I had realised. So I, yeah, any opportunity I've got to maybe you know share my learning or help somebody else um, i'm always really happy to do so ripple effect is um, an organization we help families in rural africa to learn more grow more and sell more that's our slogan so it's um working with community groups um for over yeah over 30 years now in six east and southern african countries so focusing on sustainable agriculture techniques, gender and social inclusion, so helping families and communities to work better together, and then enterprise development. So not only should you know families be able to feed themselves and earn an income, but actually what are their hopes and dreams? What are their aspirations? How can they start these sort of thriving businesses? If we were to go back in time and ask past Joanna and maybe past Joanna's team, mm-hmm. um, why are you considering changing your name from Sendical? Uh, what would you have said? So I've been at the organisation for over a decade and we've been talking about whether or not we should change our name for at least that long. So it was a big, yeah, a big job. Um, as you said, we used to be called Sendical and that name came from our roots um, where in reaction to the um, civil war, in Uganda, which caused a decimation of their agriculture, a group of farmers from Devon got together and actually sent cows, put them on planes and sent them to Africa, where they were able to yeah, provide milk, provide manure, and start these agricultural businesses. So it was a really great apt name for what we used to do. And it was quirky, and it was memorable, and we had a lot of people who loved it a lot. So it was a difficult decision. However, it just became really apparent that it was holding us back. So we had, um, uh, for example, a funder from a big organization, um, an institutional donor. We found out that they had received an application for our gender-based work. But because we were called Sendercow, they just completely thought, oh, well, they can't do gender. So the application wasn't even read. So, you know, it was closing doors rather than opening for us. We also found out that it was stopping staff from coming to work with us because they didn't understand what we did or they didn't like, they didn't want to be associated with that brand. And thirdly, it was misleading for the project participants who we were working alongside in Africa. Um, One of our uh, staff in our Kenya office, Sylvia, tells a story of how somebody turned up with a rope saying, where's my cow? Or somebody else asking, well, you've given me a cow, do I now need to send it? So it was a very much kind of UK-based proposition. And actually, that doesn't represent who we are as an organization. We are 
250 staff, 80% in Africa. Our projects are designed and delivered by African staff. There's a few of us in the UK who do marketing. We can't take any credit for any of the you know, good and amazing work that we do. Um, so we needed a brand that really reflected that and who we were as an organization. Brilliant, brilliant. And I can also empathize with the fickle nature, ne- oh, excuse me, the fickle nature of funders <laughs> and seeing <laughs> one sentence and going, oh no. <laughs> you do it in the same with journal, but the same with anyone, isn't it? That's human nature. You hear oh, something yeah, and course. you make yeah, a snap yeah. judgment, don't you? We all do. So you've got to make sure that that first, yeah, five seconds, 10 seconds is completely on point and, and getting you through. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The hours I've spent on the 30 words in the first part of an application. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. It's hard <laughs> anyway, to be anyway. succinct, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, so uh, the, the question is then, you've been thinking about this for 10 years or, or so. Mm-hmm. What was that impetus to make you finally say, okay, we're changing our name from Send the Cow? I think it was reaching kind of a critical mass internally and with the board having that weight of evidence. And I think once, especially once, you know, funders, staff and the project participants themselves, once you know that the name isn't serving any of those audiences, then it's it's clearly not working for you. We were also working on our um, 2030 strategy where we really want to to grow. We know that we know that our impact works. We've got all the data for it and we want to be able to you know, grow our reach to help more people. So we need to be in the best possible place so that we can do that. So it, the, the decision was kind of made for us then. So you've made the decision, mm-hmm. you're going to change your name. Could you give us a run through then of what happens next? What's the process? I understand that it took about 18 months. So maybe you could give us a step-by-step and maybe a, uh, what are the timescales in between each step? Sure. So um, we knew we wanted to invest in getting a branding agency to help us. We didn't feel like it was something we could do ourselves. So we wrote um, a tender document outlining our objectives, um, our audiences, uh, our budget, things like that. Um, Went out to pitch, uh, decided on working with an amazing agency. I would thoroughly recommend them, Eden Stanley, who were, they've done a lot of work with international development charities and understood that internationalism of our work, which for us was really important. So we, so we, that was in the January. So we then sort of probably appointed in the spring and started work, I think, with them in the June. So that was kind of already six months gone. Um, in the meantime, we did a lot of preparatory work ourselves, any kind of internal research we could do or focus groups that we could do or questionnaires with our stakeholders. So then the first step of the process working with the agency was um, actually to discover, should we? change our name you know we didn't go in saying we're 100 percent going to do that i think that was our um assumption but you should always kind of test that assumption so um we wanted to test what our proposition was first and does that proposition work is it giving us the differentiation we need that was our kind of number one um objective was to get differentiation in the market so uh the result came back and our current proposition wasn't being effective so they suggested two new propositions, um, one of which was this sense of uh, the multiplier effect, as we call it. So for every family that we work alongside, they pass that knowledge and skills onto others. So there's three more families benefit. So that's, that's that sense of a ripple. You can see where we're going. So once we'd identified that and we were like, 
oh, that's good. That's what we do. Other organizations aren't pitching themselves in that space. We think that's a really effective messaging. So we decided that, yeah, that was how we were going to um, yeah, position ourselves. Does the name Sendercal fit with that? No. So therefore, okay, now we need to go down the route of exploring potential name options. Um, so then we went down to, I think it was 300 names on the table at the beginning, that's seven different propositions. So it was, a, it was a lot to go through, but the agency did most of that hard work for us. Uh, research, so researching with current stakeholders from across our different you know, fundraising audiences, governments, delivery partners, um, and new audiences as well. So we identified you know, those audiences that we wanted to grow into. Then we finally got to a name uh, and we sort of paused at that point. We had to do quite a bit of internal selling. So to get people on board. So some people straight away loved it. Others, it took a little bit more time. So we had a bit of a pause there. And then we started working on the visuals. So that was a sort of a separate add-on project. Because again, when we started off the process, we didn't know if we'd need to change our visuals. We quite liked them. But then once we realized we were going to be Ripple Effect, what our USP was going to be, our current visuals just didn't work. So it was it was important for us to make that investment and do that, that process. So that then took another sort of three or four months. Then we, um, so then we had to prep for launch. So obviously redoing all your content, uh, mapping out supporter journeys and how you're going to communicate with supporters, all the legal side of it, all the trademarks and registrations in different countries, which was a whole learning curve for me. We had a few stumbling blocks on the way. Um, then we did a private launch in March this year. So we launched um, alongside our strategy because it was really important that we weren't just rebranding for the sake of it. We were changing our name because that was going to allow us to reach our strategic goal of working with 5 million more people. We wouldn't be able to do that without it. Then we had a sort of two-month transition period and then we publicly launched yeah, at the beginning of June this year. So it was, yeah, about 18 months. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm interested. So you said there were 300 options. Was that 300 potential names that you got down to ripple effect? Yes. So we'd, yeah. So it's not like we sat here with a list of 300. The agency, I think at one point had about 300 on the table. Blimey. And how did you, cause that's, did, did the agency do a lot of the work before they came to you or did you? get to see 300 names no we didn't luckily we didn't, have, we didn't have to see them they did it for us but i think oh lot, that's nice of them <laughs> oh they told hang on i'm trying to remember the figure it's something like in the uk alone mm. there are i think i'm getting this right but maybe we should fact check this something like ten thousand ngos who work in international development registered in the uk so if you then if you're international like us you've got the us you've got all the african countries any name you can think of, most likely somebody's already got it. So we're thinking a lot of things to do with, you know, Africa and farming or, you know, just different words. Um, so most of them were taken. So that actually crossed out <laughs> probably 95% yeah. of them. And then the second question we had is, do we actually want a name that is descriptive, that says what we do? So Sendakau said what we did. Um, and we thought about it, we thought, actually, what has more impact? What resonates more with people? Is it the work that you do or 
the results that you give, the impact that you have. And actually we thought talking about the ripple effect, what it does, it really positions the project participants at the heart of the brand. It's about them and what they do to share the knowledge and create this amazing ripple effect that they have. It's not about us, it's about them. Um, and actually that's far more, I think anyway, I would find that far more engaging as a brand to be part of than two words talking about what we did. No, I agree. And I think as well, having a practical functional name restricts you in the long term. Mm -hmm. I mean, as you found, and as was the impetus for your name change was, okay, so we do this, this is our name, but then you're then restricted. Whereas something like Ripple Effect, you can respond more effectively to the needs of the people you serve. Uh, so no, I, I would agree that having a more um, outcome focused uh, naming approach is, is the way to go. Um, so you've you've launched, uh, you've put out your strategy, you've put out your new name. What was the response? I'm assuming there was, I'm hoping there was a response. <laughs> Uh, there was a response. And just to say, we have launched, but this is an ongoing process. There's all these bits now that we're finding, oh, that works well, or that doesn't work. We need to slightly, you know, change it and adapt it. Um, the response was mixed, you know, to be honest. Uh, and we knew that was going to be the case. Of course, you know, it's changed. Not everyone's going to love it. Um, and I think it was especially challenging for some of our really long-term supporters who've been there from the beginning of SenderCow. Potentially you had an agriculture, you know, or a dairy agricultural background. You know, a lot of people loved the cow and they had black and white cow ears and stuff that then run challenge events in or black and white cow print tablecloths for fundraising cake sales. You know, so for them, it was really hard to let go of the cow. Um, so we did. Yeah, we did find that. But when we sort of explained the reasons for doing it and actually so the name Ripple Effect came from our project staff in Africa. Uh, it was during a brainstorm, a workshop that was run by the agency. And somebody, uh, somebody said, oh, I just wish we had a way of talking about the ripple effect that we have. I didn't even notice it at the time, but luckily somebody wrote it. So it was a really like authentic way of talking about our work. And I think once you explain all of that background, it's again, it's kind of a little bit hard to, to argue with. And so just really mapping out a clear supporter journey, explaining all that, making sure that you have time to have the conversations. I don't know how many phone calls I've had with supporters and you've just got to allow, you've got to block out weeks and weeks just to make phone calls and have that same conversation again. But actually it really strengthens your relationship. So I don't think we've had anyone who said, oh gosh, that's awful. No, I'm, ne I'm never supporting you ever again because of it. You know, those who were unsure, actually once we talked to them about it, have actually been really supportive. Oh, that's good. I'm glad that people got on board. And that's a slight tangent, slight segue, um, because people are a big part of change management. And I imagine that you've learned a lot from those conversations about how people think, how people feel, um, what makes people tick. And I wondered if you have any reflections from those conversations, either with supporters or internally about the response to change response to the name um yeah any any thoughts yeah um yeah that sort of psychology of change was something that was new to me um and it's sort of simple when you think about it but when you're in it it's you don't realize you're necessarily in it so the reaction that i found 
from pretty much everyone was they hear it, they have a visceral response straight away. So it's, I love it, I hate it, you know, just something, a big emotion. Then you have to leave them to, to sit with that. And for some people, it was a matter of a minute and some people it was six months and some people might still be in that. Um, and then often they'd come back and they'd start talking to us, but they've always taught themselves around. Well, I wasn't sure because um, it doesn't actually say, it doesn't say you work in Africa. It doesn't say this, but, um, but I do really like the fact that you've got the project participants at the heart. And I mean, they do start a ripple effect. So, oh, actually it's quite a good name, isn't it? And they would, you sort of allow them this monologue and they'd talk themselves around. And in the end, they were then really supportive. But my really key learning from this project is how important it is to protect that time whilst people are going away and reflecting. Um, be that, yeah, supporters, partners, staff, whoever. Because I think during that reflection period, it's really easy for people to be swayed. And if you have uh, voices that are louder than others, so, you know, we'd run groups, um, sort of, you know, teams calls or with staff, with different supporters. If you've got somebody who's a real believer one way or the other, they can sort of dominate it and then begin to steer other people's thoughts. So just really yeah, understanding that process of change, how it's different for different people and just giving them the, the time that they need and then also the time to come back and have that conversation with you. See, that's interesting. So I'm wondering, did you find then that it's better to be a bit more hands-off, so to talk about what the plan was and then obviously not fully hands-off you're you're there yeah. you're able to chat if people want it but actually giving more space because I think it's it can be easy when you're going through any form of change management to want to be really proactive with constant communication yeah. constant communication constant communication and I suppose what I'm perhaps inferring and you can tell me whether I'm right or wrong here or, or maybe it's a bit more nuanced is that you found that um, space is an important part of the process and actually constant communication perhaps can be a bit too much I mean maybe every circumstance is different so I don't want to be too prescriptive but certainly in our experience I think it's really important to give people the tools that they need to be able to inform their decision and reflect. So it's not just a, you know, sort of <laughs> drop a bombshell, this is changing, <laughs> and then don't contact them for six months. Yeah, you know, we, we, did, a, we did an awful lot of um, kind of slow comms. So first of all, we started talking about why the name Send a Cow wasn't effective for us anymore. So that began to sort of plant a seed. So people, you know, oh, okay, yeah, no, it's not effective. I wonder if they're going to do anything about it. Then we talked about our new strategy and our plans for growth. Oh, okay, well, they want to grow. Um, then we said, oh, we are going to do a rebrand. So they were sort of expecting it. Then we said mm -hmm. all about this multiplier. So that hopefully by that point, once they hear Ripple Effect, it already makes sense. Yeah. So they've yeah, got all the tools they need to, to, to then be able to go away and think about it. Yeah, brilliant. And that was temporarily over a few months. So it, few you months, actually, yeah. Yeah, 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 you built that. So it wasn't a surprise. Exactly. exactly. Brilliant. And I think that's just to highlight as well, the importance of involving the team at every stage, 
um, so that it isn't a surprise. Um, so in terms then of the bit which we sometimes don't talk about, and I think we should, because um, it's helpful for other people in the sector to know, um, what were the costs associated, if you don't mind that is, yeah, um, financially or otherwise, or and otherwise, I should say, uh, with the project? Yeah, no, I, I don't think people should be shy about talking. I know it's, there's always this controversy about charities spending money on marketing and um, <laughs> how things dare like us. How dare we, and you pay your staff and things like that. You know? <laughs> um, no, we're really proud of the investment. It was a strategic investment. It was decided by board um, that we needed to do this. Uh, we don't anticipate ever changing it again, yet alone for, you know, we'd had 30 years of syndicates. So this is not something we're going to be doing anytime soon. So we spent about £55,000. So that included agency cost. It included buying the website URL. It included legal costs, which is said that was quite um, tricky. Um, and it included uh, sort of reprinting of certain pieces of content. And we made the decision that we would um, you know, do it sort of slowly when things ran out so we could lower that cost. So that is, you know, and some people might be going, oh, I mean, that is a lot of money. And I, you know, I want to be clear about how responsibly and carefully we, we thought about that decision, but we really do see it as an investment. But beyond that is all the time, the, the staff time. And I don't have a figure for that, but it was essentially my role for 18 months, um, plus numerous other people across the organization. So there were kind of seven of us in a core team all different levels and all different countries but every single member of staff was involved at some point and as I said it's a continuum but we're still running workshops and testing different things in you know different territories so it is a substantial investment in you know resource staff time money um mental <laughs> agility oh actually the third thing I should say is um attrition so we don't know yet because we haven't had a full calendar year what level of attrition we've got um you know obviously i hope that it's it's low um but yeah i can't tell you that yet but you know when you're planning it i guess you know it, it's worthwhile bearing that in because you also lose a lot of your you know um like brand visibility um transitioning people on social media all these sorts of things so it's yeah that's worth thinking about and i think we it's worth circling back to the start when you mentioned all of the reasons why Sendical was holding you back and yeah. well yes you know 55k and a lot of staff time may seem like a big investment investment is the operative word there and there's clearly a cost benefit and there's clearly a benefit to to the cost which you've which you've outlaid um so yeah um, it's brilliant and it's clearly done in a strategic way so done in a strategic way so far the results are all looking positive you know we we, we track our return on investment, we have a positive return on investment, it's somewhere between three and 5%. So for every pound we get, and we invest it in fundraising, we can make that money back at least three times. So it's yeah, it's it's really, really important that we are in the best possible place to be able to raise awareness of ourselves to be able to raise funds and to be able to support more and more families who who need our support. Excellent. Well, that is a lovely place to end. I will I will give you the opportunity to maybe 
if you want to give a final thought or a takeaway that you'd like people to leave today with um otherwise we can end on that note up yeah, that you. was probably a better one, but uh, I'm just trying to think of uh, Sorry, something... I, I, you've done a really good one, and now I've forced you <laughs> to do one again. <laughs> piece of advice that I got given early on when we were thinking about changing our name was do it when you're smaller, don't wait until you're bigger. Because the bigger you are as an organisation, the more challenging it is going to be to do. Um, so, maybe, oh, and I've got one more, and you can... <laughs> You can decide which you think is the most useful. The other one was um, one of the real strengths of Sendercal was our heritage. You know, it really had that nice sense of who we were and where we'd come from and who those founding farmers were. And a lot of organisations are desperate for, you know, a heritage story and a really lovely background. So we wanted to make sure that although we wanted our new brand to be much more contemporary, much more participant focused, we didn't want to lose some of that warmth that the Sendercal story had. So um, yeah, sometimes you you can make a change, but it's only a transition rather than a full change. And I'm sure as long as you keep your culture, you can, yeah. you know, associate your existing culture with the new Ripple Effect branding. Exactly, exactly. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming on. It's been lovely to have you. Thank um, you. And for everyone tuning in, um, I hope you have learned a lot. I certainly have. And uh, we hope to see you next time. Hello, me again. You can find a link to a transcript and resources in the description. If you like this episode, then don't forget to leave us a rating and subscribe. And of course, the best thing that you can do to support this show is to tell other people. I hope to see you next time.